In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proof that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time, times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly... Two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Rosalind. Let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you for a song of hope, a promise of peace, and a word of wisdom. Amen. So as you can see, uh, we're starting a new series uh, based on this book, uh, the book of Acts, sometimes called the Acts of the Apostle. Uh, some prefer to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the title of our series is going to be Journeying with the Early Church in a Time of Change. And this book, of course, is um, the perfect book to journey with this early church as it reports its birth, its growth, its changes and challenges, its sending out and missional call and much more. Now, when we approach the book of Acts, um, we always run into the danger of comparing ourselves, comparing how we're doing as a church uh, with the life of the early church. And we always uh, run into the danger of making statements like, oh, we should really try to be more like this or like that. We should really be more like Peter or like Paul. Actually, when that happens, it's not really helpful. And so what we want to um, see happening in our series, um, what, what we will seek, 
is each time we look at a passage, so this morning is Act chapter 1, verse 1 to 14, we want to uncover the good news, the gift that uh, we can respond to, the grace that will lead us in a spirit of gratitude and loving service. So keep your um, Bibles open on page 1031 because we're going to look at it and look for the good news, for the gift, for the grace that we can receive today. Now those first 14 verses are like a bridge. Um, the author Luke is also the author of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, this is like a bridge between the end of his Gospel and the beginning of this book uh, which is the start of the church at Pentecost. And so he goes back to the last two themes of his last chapter in the Gospel, which is the resurrection and the ascension. So you can read verse 1. In my former book, the Gospel of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And then verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So resurrection and ascension. And now after 40 days of sporadic appearances to his disciple, um, which for them left no doubt that Jesus was really risen from the dead, he was really alive, Jesus was about to now vanish for good. This account was the last time they would see Jesus for good. And it was crucial that they got their thinking right. And in any kind of transition, and for us as a church, it is going to be a big transition that we'll see Steve moving on to a new role in the diocese. And we continue to pray for you, and we want God's blessing on that new ministry, which is um, growth and mission advisor, yeah, or mission and growth advisor, the other way around. Um, so that's going to be a big change and transition for you, but it is a big change and transition for us. And when that happens, it's very important that we get our thinking right. Now the disciples were still thinking in a way that was not helpful. Look at verse 6. So they went, when they were together with Jesus for that last time, they said to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Some translations said that they were keeping asking Jesus during those 40 days, is it the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive a power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to the end of the earth. Jesus was challenging them to stop thinking in certain terms. And for them was political power and restoration of independence. They were longing for that for many, many decades and centuries. He was calling to abandon their own ideologies or agenda and embrace his purposes and his way of life. And for that, we learn in the 
Gospel of Luke that they had they needed their understanding to be renewed. Uh, we read that Jesus opened their mind to understand, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit to open our minds so we can discern and understand. And we certainly need that in our time of transition. That God will help us to discern and understand what He is doing in our midst. And then also he said here that they needed to be empowered, enabled by the Holy Spirit. And when our own thinking is misdirected or our agenda are misplaced, we cannot fulfill God's plan. And so like the disciples in that time of transition, we also need in our upcoming vacancy to have our minds and our hearts in the right place. Now, last week or two weeks ago, I confused that word vacancy with voca uh, vacation. It's not going to be a vacation. It's going to be hard work. Or is it? I think if we can see it as exciting time, opportunities, time to rediscover, times to seek God, I think they're going to be great time. Jesus, um, in um, John 17, which is the passage we read at the 8.45, has this wonderful prayer um, that says, Father, you have given me your name, and he was praying for the disciples. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. He was praying for unity of hearts and minds and purpose. And so for us also, it is a time to pull together, to seek to be of that one mind, to discern together the plans and the purposes of God, to set aside whatever hidden personal agenda we might have that could be unhelpful for that process and to walk in that enabling presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus challenged the disciples, political and national ideologies, because the, the kingdom of God was something quite different. It was not about shouting people into believing or forcing them into believing. It was all about being good news to the lost, the least, the hurting, the forgotten. So how are we going to be good news here in this church to the people of Lucerne? How are we going to be good news to other parts of Whitstable? We saw Monday how wrong and twisted ideology can lead to great pains and sorrow. And reflecting on those events, um, actually two words from this very passage um, caught my attention. And the first one is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the Greek word for power is dynamis. It's this power that resides in things of themselves. And so an English word that came from that Greek one is dynamite, because it's small, but it has great potential, great power. And of course, we've seen on Monday the devastating effect when that kind of power is misused. Salman Abedi chose to clothe himself with the wrong kind of dynamis, 
and that brought great pain. And it was meant to create division and fear. But this is never God's dynamis. It's never God's purposes. It's never God's doing. It's never His will. In the last chapter of Luke, um, which is very similar to here, Luke says we are called to be clothed with dunamis, the power from on high. Um, but that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are lots of passages in the whole of the New Testament that tell us something about being clothed with or to put on certain qualities. For example, um, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. See yourself um, as a person to serve others. Clothe yourself with humility. Put on the whole armor of God we find in Ephesians 6. Put on the new self, the new creation, what God has made you in Christ. So can we do that during our time of vacancy? Can we close ourselves with compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, patient with the full armor of God, with the new self, with God's righteousness and holiness, and above all with God's love for one another and for his world? This is what we are called to be and to do as children of God, to let the Holy Spirit reside within us. The Holy Spirit is this dynamic transformative presence of God which will enable us together to accomplish his plans and purposes. So our task is to be confident in what God is going to call us as a church so that when we look for the next person, female or male, a man or a woman, when we look to that next person, we can say this is who we are as a church. Do you want to come and join us? Do you want to share the gifts and the abilities that God has given you to lead us in those purposes? And I know that later on we, um, in the notices you will be pointed out to uh, a day on Sunday the 11th of June in the afternoon when we invite the whole church because we want the whole church to be in that process. You will be invited to think of those three questions. Where do you think we've been as a church? Where do you think we are now? And where are we going to be? And your input will help the DCC, the, 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 the council, the church council, to write what we call a profile. So this is who we are as a church, and then potential candidates will read that profile and will say, this resonates with who I am. Of this resonates with what I think God is calling me to be and to do. And so that's a very helpful way you can help the church discern and discover um, the purposes that God has. So it is in your notices and later on it will be um, uh, pointed again. Now the other Greek word in this passage, so we had dynamis, the other one is um, the word witness, you will be my witnesses from Jerusalem to the end of the earth. And the Greek word here is marturès. 
I had to apologize this morning because I have no idea how you say that in English, a Greek word in English. You know, martyrs, or I can only know say it in French, so martyrs. And of course, that word became an English word, martyr. And this is quite uh, significant in light of what happened on Monday. God never asked anyone to use terror to force his plans of salvation. But he asked his followers to be witness in the sense of um, long sufferers, people who are enduring and patient and merciful and gentle, forgiving followers of Jesus, witness of his love and his goodness. And so finally, in this passage, we've learned about Jesus ascending into the presence of God. Um, and it's not that um, the disciples saw somehow Jesus kind of flying out of the earth. Um, because in the passage here, we hear that a kind of a cloud surrounded Jesus and then he disappeared. And uh, for the readers of that time, the cloud was very significant. Because in their history, in their faith, History, the cloud was the sign of God's presence. If you remember in the Old Testament some of the stories, it's a cloud that led Israel out of Egypt for 40 years. That was the presence of God. Then they had this tent that they built. Um, and there there was a cloud coming on the tent and they knew God was very present. And of course, in the New Testament, we have the transfiguration. And a cloud comes and they see Jesus for who he really is. And so for them it was significant. That means Jesus is finally in the presence of the Father. The clouds comes and takes him away. Jesus had glorified the Father on earth by finishing his works, but he is now sending us. His works is not finished, Jesus works, but he's expecting us to be now his hands and his feet and his eyes and his voice and his ears. I'm going to finish by a beautiful picture that was given by someone in the uh, 845 congregation called Doreen. So um, you might be aware that uh, this is, there is a, a time between Ascension and Pentecost where uh, the Church of England is called to prayer. And uh, it's, it's called Thy Kingdom Come. And we've decided to um, have a, an hour of prayer uh, every day for those 10 days at 6 o'clock in the morning to 7 uh, but there is also enough material on the website to help you finding space in your own way to pray. So if you go to Thy Kingdom Come, you will see prayer for family, uh, pray individually, or pray in church. But this is the picture that Doreen got as she was praying for Thy Kingdom Come, and especially how as a church, how as a congregation, can we show God's love around us. This is what she said. I was praying through the sheet, thy kingdom come. And the suggestion was to pray for God's love to abound in the church. I then had a picture of a person wearing a blanket worn like a Mexican shawl, you know, shawl, shawl, yeah? Not shawl, shawl, Mexican shawl. You can see that? You can see the hat? You can see the hat too. There is no hat in that screen. I put it, the shawl. 
was a very thick blanket. So I asked the question, what is this, Lord? And immediately, um, the line of an old chorus came into my mind. The banner over me is love. I knew that the blanket represented God's love. So then I asked, why is it so thick, but always appears light? And the answer, it is made of many layers. Then, what should I do with it? And the answer came, as you go from here, imagine that each time you meet someone today, this week, you are wrapping that person with one of those love layers, the love of God. What a beautiful picture of what we are called to be for one another and for this world. And the great thing is that although it's very thick, there is many layers. You will never run out of layers. It will always be light. And the more you wrap other people in God's love, the more God will use you to build about his kingdom. So shall we do that this week? Shall we wrap one another in our families, you know, in not school this week because it's holidays for you, but in whoever you're going to meet this week with God's layer of love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you because your plans are still to prosper. You've not abandoned us. Fill us with the presence of your Holy Spirit that we may be able to wrap many people this week with your love. Amen.